I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hi, this is Peter, and this is a flashback episode of The Big Event. We're going way back to episode 20, our tribute to Marine World Africa USA with Chronicle Education reporter Jill Tucker. I'm bringing it back because one, I love the old Marine World. Two, Jill Tucker worked as a safari boat operator and almost crashed into Monkey Island. The world needs to hear that story again. And three, there was a lot of interest the first time. My written Marine World tribute that ran in the Chronicle had a lot of readership too. Conclusion, the Chronicle needs a full-time Marine World beat. We'll have an all-new episode early next week. Here's our tribute to Marine World. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event, Marine World Edition. This is a tribute to Marine World, and I brought in, not just for the podcast, but for the intro, former Marine World employee, Jill Tucker. Yes, tour boat driver. Tour boat driver, Jill Tucker. She's going to talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about the theme music for Marine World. Let's just plant an earworm in their head right now. Does that sound good, Jill? That sounds mean, but let's go. Let's go. So that was the Marine World theme, one of several themes that seemed like copyright infringement, but it was a different time. That's going to be a lot of our theme. It was a different time. It was kind of a cool time. We're going to celebrate Marine World. We're going to open by talking a little bit about our jobs, too. Um, Chronicle just won an award, North Bay Fire coverage. It's going to be a really, really awkward segue, but since I have Jill in here, I wanted to talk about that, too. 20th Big Event Podcast. I wanted to not wait till the end and say right now, since Jill is here with me, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle. Please subscribe Please to the Chronicle. Subscribe. It's D- worth it. www.sfchronicle.com. These podcasts are free, and a digital subscription is more inexpensive than you think. It's a great value. Subscribe to the Chronicle. Here in the Big Event Basement Archive with Jill Tucker, Talking Marine World, let's go down memory lane. Jill Tucker, welcome to the big event. I am so excited to be here. 20th episode. um, I wanted to do something special, so I wanted to have you on. One of my favorite Chronicle people. And also, among other things, we have a special tie and that we both grew up um, with Marine World, Africa, USA, in our lives. Absolutely. And not Marine World, not Discovery Kingdom, Marine World, Africa, USA. It was kind of the 70s and 80s water park in uh, Redwood Shores or Redwood City? It was technically Redwood City, but now I think people consider that Redwood Shores. Yeah, but uh, along the peninsula there. Um, So we're going to talk about that. I wanted to talk to, I think 2017 was a really great year for the Chronicle. And, um, you know, your education beat work was fantastic. But the thing that really 
strikes me that I'll remember about 2017 was the North Bay fires. I think of you because I found out about it going to my phone, waking up at 5.30 a.m., and the first thing I saw is a dispatch from you on the road. And I'm thinking our education reporter is on the road to go cover a fire in Santa Rosa. This must be really serious. Do you remember, did you get a phone call or just wake up? No, I got a phone call at 2.30 in the morning. and um, October 8th? Uh, October 9th. October 9th. It was early morning, early morning. And, um, and you know, when your phone rings in the middle of the night, it's either bad family news or it's your editor. And so, you know, you sort of shake yourself and get the phone and, and it was Trapper Byrne, who's the Metro editor. And, you know, your heart kind of drops because, you know, if he's calling you at 2.30 in the morning, bad things are happening somewhere and you're going to have to get dressed and, and go, Yeah, which is exactly what happened. Um, and basically, all, all he said was, there's a fire up north. It's jump the freeway. You need to get to Santa Rosa. And I grabbed, uh, you know, I got dressed. I don't even think I brushed my teeth. I grabbed my car keys um, and left and started driving across the bridge. You know, it's two two thirty, two forty five in the morning. And heading into, um, as I got to 101... And started heading up from like, um, you know, from uh, uh, San Rafael area, Novato. And this guy was just orange. And the traffic was like, like, you know, one of these movies, the disaster movies where everybody's going the other way and you're driving toward the orange flames. And it was, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, the only thing that I could think, you know, when I keep thinking back to that day as I got up there and the fire was 100 feet from Kaiser Hospital and everywhere I looked was in flames, um, I, I would kept calling in with information and I just kept saying, I, I don't know how to describe this. Yeah. I don't have the words. And all these months later, when I think back, um, trying to describe the devastation, trying to describe how much of the city was on fire, and and knowing as I stood there, with you know knee later that morning in knee high ash as far as I could see, cars down to you know my ankles, um, and just kept thinking I, I don't have the words for this. This this isn't, this isn't what we you know see. Yeah. Um, in twenty years of of doing this, it was it was it was a. a um, Something I'll never forget, uh, the amount of devastation, the, um, the loss of life, and the pride that I still have for all of the reporters who covered that, including you, um, yeah. it, to tell these stories because people in these situations want information. I went up, you know, the, I was starting this podcast. I was two podcasts into this And Fernando and I were talking about in 2018 doing some field podcasts, going and interviewing people out in the field. And a a day into this, he's like, I want you to go up tonight and here's the equipment. Here's how to use it. Just try and do it. And that's where I met you. And I got to say, like, it was such a relief to see you there. And um, it was like a big sisterly type feeling I had toward you, or a little sister. I, you may be a little younger than me. I, sorry to insult you when no, I'm, I think I'm complimenting you. No, I think I'm older. Let's go you. with big sister. We'll but I, big sister. you just kind of talked me down. And I was at this point where 
you know, I had had one situation where I saw someone crying at a bus shelter across from a mobile home park, and I chose not to go talk to her. And I'm having all these discussions in my head about what lines I'm going to cross, because it's important to get the story and let our readers know what's happening, but you don't want to add to someone's pain. Right. And you talked me down, and then I ended up getting to a hardware store where people were coming in and getting supplies, and the hardware store had no power right by Coffee Park, but... Um, there were all these people who the hardware store owners and executives had set up a barbecue, and I got a podcast out of it. It was um, it was brilliant. I, if you if uh, listeners haven't heard that yet, there was a lot of amazing coverage. But I remember I was there, and yeah. then I came back and listened to the podcast, and just you know we don't cry while we're out there, but you know listening to that podcast, <laughs> like all that emotion sort of came back, and it just captured. The resiliency and the devastation and the sadness and all the emotions that come with a disaster like that. And it's a, it's a hard job, but I will tell you, being able to provide that information to people when they desperately need it is why we do this job. Yeah. And, and to tell those stories of, of humanity and hurt and anger and, and failure, um, you know, that's what we do. It's yeah. a privilege. Yeah, like. Is. Driving a tour boat. Like driving a tour boat. There is no good... We were talking about this beforehand. There's no good segue, because we knew we were going to talk about the fires. There's no good segue from the fires in 2017 to Marine World in the 1980s. So let's just not pretend. Let's, yeah, no. But, but I did want to get you here. I've wanted to get you on, because I'm a huge nostalgist. Um, it started with my parenting blog. People were always asking for old amusement parks, the two-headed snake at the Steinhardt Aquarium, you know, asking questions like... Did, did, you know, Paul from the Diamond Center really exist, you know, and, and, and I try and find these answers. And Marine World has been um, a great, great discussion point. Um, people always have questions about it. There's so many things that happen there that I question myself if they happen. I have to go in our archive to prove to myself that indeed yeah. Clifford Ray, the Golden State Warriors Center, saved a dolphin's life by thrusting his arm into its stomach. I um, I. You're going to have to tell that story because I don't know that I believe that. But you worked there. <laughs> I know. You worked there. So I found this out like a year ago. You had a job at Marine World. I did. I worked there for four seasons. Yeah. In the the jungle boat ride, I think it was t- Tiger Safari. Sh- jungle Ride Safari. Jungle, Jungle Ride Safari. We just called them tour boats. So just I, called them tour yeah, boats. I don't even remember. Yeah. So we're going to get into the tour boats. I want to first give you a little bit of history, though. Um, Marine World originally was a um, project that, uh, this is before SeaWorld, someone came up with for Mill Valley. It was going to be in Richardson Bay off of uh, Highway 101 when you're driving up um, toward Marin. You'd look off to the left, and I've seen, we actually have the design photos, and you would be looking off and see a killer whale to your left. It's um, crazy, that, that, that sketch. Yeah. What they planned. And they, they had meetings, and they were excited about it, and Mill Valley was where Marine World was going to be until um, the most Mill Valley thing, um, all of the, the people who lived there basically started coming into meetings and voting it down, saying, I don't want this in my backyard. There's going to be traffic. There's going to be the animals might escape and you know come in our schools. <laughs> the killer whale be so, there. <laughs> so the, the Chronicle reported um, that uh, – uh, uh, Mill Valley City Council on Monday night acceded to the obse- objections of local citizens and decided informally that the project would be incompatible with the community's residential character, which is, again, so Mill Valley. I mean, this is the 
you know, Marin County voted down the BART line around this time, too. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking for a new place, and they end up with this filled-in nothing near Redwood City. And it starts out as a um, very environmentally focused uh, sea sanctuary for animals that people yeah. could come in and see the animals. And... Um, yeah, and, and then opens in 1968, um, constantly on the verge of bankruptcy, all kinds of crazy things going on. Uh, in the early 70s, they would bring in concerts. Big Brother and the Holding Company and Elvin Bishop played oh Marine gosh. World. That was a little before my time, but yeah. wow. And then it gets to the 70s and 80s, and that's around when we were growing up. Now tell me, do you have a first Marine World memory? Well, so I I worked there four summers, and I actually started there um, when I was like fifteen and a half because you could you could work sort of like in this underpaid role, and the job that they had was you could work in picnics, and so like all these corporations would come, and we would stand there in the ugliest uniforms in the history of the universe, and just dish out like baked beans. So that would be like um, like nineteen eighty. Yeah, and. Um, and so I worked in food for that summer, picnics and food, and then I worked in a restaurant, um, which was horrific. You went home every day smelling like, you know, hamburger and cheeseburgers. And um, and then uh, the next year after that, I applied to be to drive a tour boat and um, and got the job. Now. Let's go back. Had you did you have some watercraft experience um, other than spooning out the baked beans? What I mean, this is 1980. Like Ralph Nader, the seatbelts maybe are around, yeah. but you know we're still no. riding around in the back of our station yep. wagon. What were the like qualifications? What were the safety standards to be a um, jungle cruise operator? None. Yeah. No. So, so the tour boats, let me, so for those who don't remember and were never on, so, and we took great pride in the fact that we were not like the Disneyland tour. We were not on rails and the animals were real. Okay. And so we literally sat in the back in these little sort of Australian outfits, like khaki shorts with a, a, a hat that, you know, that snapped on one side. So you yeah. looked super like, Safari, super like Paul Hogan and Crocodile Dundee, hundred percent, yeah. Okay, and um, and then we would sit on the back, and we had a microphone in one hand, and you would drive the um, outboard motor, and it was this um, sort of pontoon raft, probably like twenty feet long, with a thatched roof, and it was filled with tourists, kids, and adults. No life jackets, no. <laughs> edges to the raft like literally anybody could have just tipped over and fallen into the murky water um and we had there were again no rails so we just would drive we'd learn to drive these outboard motors while giving this 20 minute tour about all the animals and things that we we would see on the way yeah and um you know and filled with you know I mean, we did this tour over and over and over and over and over again. And so we would entertain ourselves by telling jokes or singing or, you know, we'd, like, you know, we'd sing Deo, you know. <laughs> and you'd hear, like, as the tour boat would be coming in, like, the everybody on the boat singing, you know. So, so no rails. Let's, let's yeah, set the no scene. Rails. There, there were a bunch of – I remember there was, like, a bunch of passageways within the park. Right. Little kind of curling around. So you'd be walking over bridges to get to the next place in Marine World. And then you'd go out – not far from where the ski show was. Right. And there were 
either islands or just kind of there was one island, one Mon- island. Monkey Island. Monkey Island. We'll get to that. We'll get to Monkey Island. And you would go around the backside of Monkey Island where the veldt was, you know, where all the animal the the giraffe and the zebras and we would go and on the right hand side of the boat you'll see the grevy zebras. So there there's no there's no rails. Nope. No psych evaluation, I'm assuming, before you did this. So there's nothing stopping. A te- a teenager. teenager. There's nothing stopping you with this. No life jackets with this crowd full of people to just, if you wanted to, veer onto Tiger Island and just visit the tigers. Nothing stopping you from No, that there happening. was nothing between us and Tiger Island. Okay. No rails, no fence, no nothing. There was a fence... Uh, between us and the lions. There was yeah. a chain link fence that if you crash, and some people got blown in, the wind would be strong on that corner. Yeah. And you would just drift right into the lion. And, you know, if you poked your fingers through, I'm, I don't know. And it, I, obviously there were no lawyers in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> because what the heck? So you're, you're <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just to get, complete the visual. You're controlling this boat. Yep. While giving the speech, yep. there's no like two people, not not one person. No, no, no. Mike and one. I'm by myself. The only employee, yeah, is is the is the tour boat driver. Yeah, and we're speaking while driving, and we got really good. You, there were no keels on the bottom of the boat, so so you, they didn't. If you turn, they would just slide. So you're like drifting. You're drifting. So like, you would yeah. learn how to like crank it and drift, and then gun it to turn a corner. <laughs> It was really, you know, you just got used to it. And, yeah, um, yeah and then, you know, you'd drive out. You'd go past the guys walking the elephants and camel rides. And you'd go out into the big lagoon where the ski show was. Okay. Which is mind-boggling that an amusement park had a water ski show, um, which was amazing. And um, and then head out toward Monkey Island and around and all the way around. Do you remember park. any of your spiel? Cause is it like the bad jokes, like the Jungle Cruise at the Disneyland? Yeah, we, we had... So we we had to memorize a script that had all the information about all the animals, like how much they weigh and what they eat and yeah. all of those types of things. But, of course, after you do the tour a few times, you're bored silly, so you don't want to do that anymore. So you would, you know, tell horrible jokes like, on the right-hand side of the boat is the grevy zebra. It's very easy to tell the females from the males. The females are white with black stripes, and the males are black with white stripes. But on bump, and and yet everybody on the tour would often go, "Oh!" And they're staring at the zebras, going, "That's a oh, wait a minute." And so it was, yeah, horrible jokes, um, and uh, it, the best job ever. Yeah. Yes. Spider Monkey Island, was that what it was called? It was just called Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Okay. And it was filled with spider monkeys who have a prehensile tail. <laughs> um, and um, I, so we, it was often very crowded and, and getting people off and on the boats was a huge, just trying to get the line down and go. And so I took the boat out and there wasn't much gas. And so as I got out into the lagoon, the motor sputtered and died. And I wasn't getting any more gas. And so I technically, that was the only time in my life I've really run out of gas ever. <laughs> so we're, I'm floating in the middle of the lagoon and I start drifting toward Monkey Island. And Monkey Island is literally an island in the middle of a lagoon in Redwood Shores filled with spider monkeys who were really pissed off that they have been marooned 
on an island in Redwood Shores. So as my boat is drifting toward Monkey Island, they, they, this is my memory, the monkeys start lining the edge <laughs> of the, the water and with their little fists start jumping up and down going, we're saved, we're saved. And I'm thinking, I have a boat full of tourists and a bunch of pissed off monkeys that are going to board my boat and bite all the tourists and... And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. And I'm, I'm looking at trying to flag down the water ski guys who were like, oh, stupid tour boat floating to <laughs> yeah. a monkey island. So the monkeys are there and they're they're jumping up and down. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like I'm going to get fired <laughs> or, or at least get like knocked back down to dishing out baked beans yeah. again. <laughs> so I they, we thankfully had these on the thatched roof. We had these huge um, poles bamboo poles and i'm making jokes the whole time like the people on the boat like the tourists are laughing hysterically because i'm like telling all these jokes like this is no big deal (laughs) or look at the monkeys (laughs) and so we i get some burly guys to like push us away from monkey island and literally like i'm like hoping that monkeys don't jump on the pole and climb up and um but we pushed ourselves away and floated out until they brought me more gas and um, I, nightmares. I still have nightmares. Yeah, Do you, I, and that that sounds like like an anxiety dream for the rest of your life. I, it is. I yeah. mean, I still can picture these little damn monkeys with their prehensile tails going, "We're safe." <laughs> Marine World. I gotta say, like, I had super fond memories as a kid. I mean, like, if I was gonna go there, I had like a warm feeling, you know, and and there was something about it that. Um, it didn't have the rides like Great America. Um, even when I got older, I ended up working at the recreation center and I would take kids there. And mm. it was always my favorite place to go because you would have this group of unruly four to 10 year olds and you'd bring them into a killer whale show and everybody just sits there with their mouth agape. Yeah. And describing that now, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people, the reaction is, oh my God, that's cruelty. And, and it, it, you know, society shifted. It is, you know, the, the, the Blackfish documentary, I mean, showed a lot that was going on there. But back then, Marine World, it was like you were being an environmentalist by going to Marine World because you're kind of celebrating these animals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was, a, I, you know, the keepers there, the animal caretakers. I mean, the people that I knew that, that cared for the animals, um, whether it was the birds or, or the, you know, rhinos or lions or tigers, um, they loved the animals. This, You know, so when you were there... The animals were part of the family, yeah. you know. I mean, this really was like a family, family-run operation. The the employees were incredibly close. And if you read, like, there's a Facebook page for alumni that you know people who work there, and people like it's it's part of who you are. This place, and whether you visited it or you or you work there, and there, you know. So, it, you know, looking back now, we're you know they wouldn't have teenagers driving boats with no rails right um but it 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 was back then i i can say people loved the animals the people who who cared for them it wasn't a it didn't feel like these were just props i i believe that and i've read the history of it and i tell you i have i have a warm feeling it felt like something there was something about it that felt like community and as i i read the history um, it was owned by a resort company that was trying to make money they hired this guy mike uh demetrius who ended up being their general manager, 
and he was sort of this um I mean, PR and marketing, he, he had this P.T. Barnum quality where all of a sudden Marine World started appearing, even in, uh, even in like the, the sports page. Art Rosenbaum wrote a column about it, and he would come and give facts about how much the, the killer whale eats and, and how the price of herring's gone up, and he'd be in Herb Cain. And so he's this guy who, who w- and they were trying all these new things. I mean, people who went to Marine World remember they put a water slide in. You know, they they added in a little kid playground. Um, they were always trying these new things. Big Brother and the Holding Company is going to play. You know, but throughout it all, every year he's saying we're we're just about to break even. We're going to make money this year, and like they never did. And then so finally, the resort company bails, and Mike Demetrius creates an ownership group and takes it over. And from what I can tell, I mean, it just became his passion. Um, and he loved the animals and he loved the people who worked there. And that's one reason I wanted to get your perspective, because it's this feeling I had going there. I could kind of tell. But it must have been this, you know, like like kind of being a pirate. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had friends that were working at, like, Dervener schnitzel while I was working at Marine World. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was the, you know, plum job for kids on the peninsula. Um, it was fun. It was a bunch of people, generally your age, you know, yeah. teens, 20s. Um, and you're surrounded by animals, tigers, you know, in a place where people are coming. And, and you know, it, it just it felt homey, you know, which is not what you think of for amusement parks, you know, like th- there were a few back then, Frontierland or, uh, you know, Frontier some, uh, Village. Or Frontier Village, yeah. Great America was pretty new then. Yeah, yeah, and it just, but but Marine World felt like it was family owned, like it felt kind of hokey, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and old fashioned in a way, even back then, um, and yet beloved and fun and killer whales and elephants and, Zebras. And the jingles. The uh, oh. I, I went on YouTube and found a bunch of their songs that they have. I don't know what the copyright laws were in <laughs> 1982, but every one of their songs on the commercials, they'd like take a popular song and put Marine World into it. So, you know. Uh, hey, hey, we're Marine World, Africa, <laughs> USA. God, that's going to be stuck in my head again. Okay. We've got the whole world in our park. And I mean, they're still I, rattling around in my head and I, I've subjected you to them. I'm very yep. sorry. It's yep. going to be you're going to be humming it yep. throughout 2018. I finally got it out of my head after all these years and then boom, back. So. Other things that I associate with Marine World, I, I started my blog, The Poop, the parenting blog, and it started out as just parenting. This is in the, you know, uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, after my kids were born. And then we kind of got sick of talking about parenting. There were a lot of other parenting blogs. Yeah. It was very local. So people started saying, you know, hey, did you have, you know, any photos of the two-headed snake? There's nothing on Google. So it became kind of the blog where... If there was something you couldn't Google it, there was no evidence of it, I'd come down in this archive where we're recording right now and try and find evidence. And Marine World is like my all-time, you know, is it a myth or is it real? And in my head, things that I read, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, that is impossible. So I wanted to share three with you, three things that, um, that 
I couldn't believe happened. And then I went and looked them up and, in fact, confirmed they did. First one is um, 1982 when Randy Cross, 49ers guard, <laughs> as part of uh, some kind of fundraiser, um, came to – they were raising money for, for a cause. And, and he came to Marine World, and they put him through an obstacle course in whale of a time world, <laughs> including a um, – Which was like an, a little uh, uh, playground yeah. type of thing. Including a, um, they called it the birdie glide, but now we would call it a zip line. I remember distinctly going on it. It was a, a really crudely fashioned, I'm sure they did it in the back shop there, I'm, zip line that was over a net, which was over um, tires, which was over water. And there was about a 15 foot drop. And again, no lawyers in 1982, yeah. obviously. So they built this for, you know, 60, 80 pound kids and then tell Randy Cross, a 250 two pound oh offensive God. lineman to go on it as part of this thing. He gets on it. Um, the Chronicle is there or an AP photographer is there and gets on it. It can't control his weight. Um, he's not hooked onto it. He's just holding on to it. Drops falls on his ankle, and there's a photo in the Chronicle the next day of him just writhing in pain and clutching <laughs> his ankle in whale of a time world, um, which is where I came in, you know, 82, um, right around then was when I was a Chronicle paper boy. I really got into reading the Chronicle, and we're big Niner fans. Mm-hmm. And Randy Cross, 82, that's after the first Super Bowl. I was just going to say, this is when they were winning. This is when they're winning. He's our polling guard that allows, um, you know, allows uh, our running game to go. And um, and he's writhing in pain. And he's writhing in pain. Rain and then ended up, uh, it ended up affecting his next season. Mm-hmm. We, we would have six Super Bowl rings, you know. Um, just recently, like a couple of years ago on Twitter, I reached out to him and posted a couple of photos. Oh. And he was, I, I could tell he was a little triggered. Like he was cool about it, but it was not. It was not a funny not memory. Not like a funny memory. No, he still I mean, was I not it, laughing. I think it seriously okay. affected his career. So yeah. Randy Cross, that's number one. Number two, this was, um, this was something, the one I believed the least. Um, somebody said, hey, William Shatner wrote a killer whale at Marine World. I saw it. <laughs> A reader did, and I'm like, you imagine that. That's a dream you had, or, you know, that did not happen. So I went and looked in our Marine World file, nothing there. Um, I went and looked in our Shatner file, nothing, nothing there. And he said he, he saw it in the Chronicle. And at that time, we couldn't search our archive like we can now. So I said, I'm pretty sure this didn't happen. And I wrote back in the comments, and we went on with our lives. He said, no, I swear it did. I'm like, yeah, all right, dude, you know, crackpot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, I'm searching through the Chronicle archives under dolphins, okay? I had searched under whales, Shatner, and Marine World, but some super, super, super anal librarian in 1987 decided orcas are actually in the dolphin family. Oh, no. So I'm going to file these under photos under dolphins. So I'm looking for dolphin photos for who knows what. And I go through, and there's William Shatner <laughs> riding on a killer whale um, on its back, and then and then they had him stay there, and he jumped, and, and it jumped over him. Which I had vaguely remembered going to Marine World, and they just like would pick random people out of the audience and have them ride killer whales. But I assumed I like made that up in my head. I was a little kid. No, there's William Shatner riding on a killer whale. It was for an environmental cause. They're raising money for the environment. Which again, it wasn't the. Star Trek movie with the killer whale. Was no, it was a couple years after oh, that. Okay. So they brought him back and probably you know paid him some money or he yeah. volunteered to 
do this. And uh, he got into Herb Cain, who who <laughs> asked him about it. And uh, his quote, which was awesome, was um, it was like uh, a 747 with teeth jumped over me. Um, William Shatner writing a killer whale. I will share those photos. Third one and the best one is um, uh, Golden State Warriors center Clifford Ray. And this, so I knew about the other two. This one I have not heard of. This is 100% true. Steve Rubenstein wrote the story, which is perfect. What year? 1978. Young Steve Rubenstein wrote the story. Warriors uh, center Clifford Ray. He was part of their title. He was new when they got their title um, in in the mid-70s, and he had an ankle injury. And they had him stay at home while the Warriors are on the road. Mike Demetrius, a Warriors fan who apparently also noted that Clifford Ray had just come to the park because he's like this seven-foot center, but he likes animals. Yeah. Really sweet guy. Mike Demetrius thinks of him because um, while a scuba diver is making some alterations to the tank, a bolt that the scuba diver was was, um, replacing on the side of the tank falls down. A dolphin named Mr. Spock sees the shiny object. (laughs) Mr. Spock the dolphin um, follows the shiny object, swallows it, and it goes in the dolphin's stomach. Veterinarians come in. You can't cut the dolphin open. I mean, you you know, it it won't die. It'll die. Um, The only way to do it is to get it in one of the dolphin's stomachs. Apparently, dolphins have multiple stomachs. And the veterinarian's arm is not long enough. They sedate the dolphin, and he can't reach far enough. So Mike Demetrius thinks Clifford Ray has like a really long wingspan. He's a center for the Warriors. Let's call him in. Possible. So they put Clifford Ray in scrubs. Oh my god! They have an intercom system down to L.A. with like the foremost specialist in dolphin, you know, surgery. And they have him reaching around with like a two-minute time limit because then the dolphin will suffocate trying to get the bolt out of his one of his stomachs. And like against the clock for the TV movie they should make about this, um, right as they're hitting the two-minute mark, he grabs the bolt, pulls it out, and saves the dolphin's life. <laughs> Clifford Ray. So I want to do an oral history of this sometime, get Clifford Ray in here. Um, but he's, he's talking about How did about they it. even convince him to do that well he was like this animal lover he's this kind of gentle giant kind of guy it was sort of perfect i think they named an animal after him it might have been a tiger Um, but mr spock lived had a long long healthy healthy, or i fairly you know oh my god told his little dolphin friends about it but okay so that was the third marine world story when you think back to that marine world like that's a different yeah lifetime of laws and <laughs> medical procedures. But that's it. It's like this that's what I think is special about Marine World. And yeah. That's why I wanted to pay tribute to it because it was it had to be this combination of people who loved what they were doing, loved the park, had no money and yeah. a time when there were just absolutely no liability laws and you could put a 15-16 year old on a boat heading straight toward Spider Monkey Island with no Consequences. No consequences. Yeah. And in all of those stories, you know, all three of them, I mean, except really the Shatner one, but certainly the Randy Cross one, which is kind of a, there's no funny ending to that, (laughs) you know, if you're a Niner fan or or Randy Cross. Sorry, Randy. Um, But those are all things that happen because of that kind of combination of things. Yeah. And you look back and you're like, how did they do that? Yeah. But on the other hand, 
I think that accounts for some of my really warm memories about the place. It's so nostalgic, right? I mean, it's 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 sort of the same nostalgia that we had for riding in the back of pickups, right? Like, yeah. I did that, loved it as a child. It was the best thing in the world. Of course, I would never let my own child no, do that. No. But I, you know, I'm glad I got to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's 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 a different era. It's a different. I mean, you know, now Marine World's in Vallejo, and yeah. it's not even called Marine. It was for a while. So it, in 1985-86, they had to move. They lost their lease. Um, Silicon Valley is getting bigger. That property that was just mud fill suddenly, there's yeah. value to it. Yep. So they lose their lease, and then they get a new lease in Vallejo. Put all of the animals on a barge. As if we haven't told enough crazy Marine World <laughs> stories. There's you know, a great YouTube video, actually, that you can watch. It's like a little mini documentary of moving all these animals on this Noah's Ark barge down the bay. And yeah. like a ferry's going by. The and they're like, oh, like, look, an elephant waving. And it's like you know? they put the camels all yep. on the front. So they moved to Vallejo. And then um, I, Mike Demetrius, I think, was still involved at the time. But um, then it was a slow decline and and I'm a you know we're Discovery Kingdom members my mm-hmm. kids love the roller coasters but the marine world of it marine worldness of it um from that point on just kept dropping and dropping and dropping i mean they started putting roller coasters in and the animals became a little less important um i'm happy about it they got yeah. rid of the killer whales a few years ago and now they still have the dolphin show and you you kind of go there now and it's like, oh, you're walking around riding roller coasters. Is that a walrus? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not, it's an afterthought. I'm, I, I think we're like one step away from going to ride the Medusa and they'll just put the walruses to work there. You know, <laughs> you'll have like the, um, you know, letting the ride go or, or selling cotton candy or whatever. But it, it's become much less of a, and it's not yeah. called Marine World no. anymore. They went Six Flags Marine World and then Six Flags Discovery Marine, whatever. Yeah. Now it's just Discovery Kingdom. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny because um, I think a lot of us, especially those who didn't work there anymore, just sort of resented entirely that it wasn't the same place anymore. And I've been there only once and sort of walked around like, you know, with my wrinkled nose going, eh. yeah. it's just not. It's not Marine World, and and um, and I've just never, you know, I like roller coasters, but I just I can't bring myself to go. There's I don't, I think it's almost like it feels like like being a traitor, you know. It's, it's different. different. I've come to terms with it, but I do want to tell these stories yeah. because it it was a special place. It was. I you know I haven't thought about it for a while, and um, but every now and then, you know, when when I think about like who I am now and 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 what I've done in my life and I think back to that little you know 17 year old driving this boat yeah um and and giving tours and thinking <laughs> I don't know there's something formative about that that's a life you know? experience it's like it's and and it makes you like there's something like there's some sense of I don't know like pride that I was you know, driving one of those boats that don't exist anymore. And, um, you know, and I still be keep in touch with some of the, the tour boat drivers that I was with. You know, oh, that's awesome. one became an author and FBI agent. And another is um, he was a three time Jeopardy winner that is now a doctor. Um, you know, cool people. Yeah. Right. And so it, it just. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's been nice to think about it doing this. Um, 
Although there's not a lot of photos of those tour boats. I can't find We do any. have a few, and I'm going to post some of them. Yeah. And the way this archive works, as the William Shatner story told us, is that you'll be looking for something and then throw your hands up in the air and then look for something else down here. We have millions and millions of images yeah. here. And something may show up. Yeah. So, or video shows up on YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I just... I remember, you know, I grew up in Burlingame and, you know, we'd go to the, I'd go to the, uh, uh, in Redwood City to go get my tonsils out or go get some shots or I'd break a finger. Mm. And I just remember I associated driving um, south with something negative because usually it was some medical thing or Mm. some errand I was running with my parents. But I always remember coming back and just kind of sticking my nose against the glass Marine and I feel, World Parkway. Yeah, Marine World Parkway, which remained Marine World Parkway I, maybe to this time. day. I mean, no, it was for a long it. time yeah. they changed it. It's Oracle is there now. Um, Larry Ellison built Oracle there. I don't blame you, Larry Ellison. But I think about things like that, like the Emeryville mudflats sticking my nose against the glass there. And I think about it with Marine World, you know, as Silicon Valley is built up around my home and I'd later find out that my middle-class Burlingame becomes this upper-class new thing that I don't recognize anymore. Anytime I drove by there, I could see those thatched roofs and kind of look for the edge of one of the the tanks or whatever and be in another place. And that to me, as much as being in Marine World, that to me is just a really warm memory of driving by there and just dreaming about going and 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 getting lost in that kind of other world that was built by these people, you know, Mike Demetrius and other people who I think were really passionate about what they did. Yeah. So that's my closing Marine World thought. Um, what about you? Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, um, I think for people who grew up in the Bay Area, it is, um, it's a part of every single person's childhood that grew up sort of in our generation. And, um, and it, it's just, uh, it's a, it was happy, you know, it was a place where there was wild animals and a, a water ski show and, and it was right by my house. Yeah. You know, this weird little world right at the edge of the bay. Um, and it, it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's part of the Bay Area. It was right across from the Circle Star Theater, which was a lucky <laughs> theater. We'll, we'll bring you in, <laughs> let's bring you in for the Circle Star. Uh, we'll I don't get... know. I'm embarrassed to tell you who I saw there. But, um, it yeah, it just, you know, it it just reminds me of the the place I grew up. Yeah. And I think anybody who has sort of that, you know that those memories, whatever the memories are, wherever you grow up, it's um, this place was just really special. So come back for the Circle Star Theater uh, sequel. We will, we will go over that next. We'll probably bring in a third. I'm thinking Bill Van Niekirk and our librarian. I know has a lot of Circle Star stories. Um, Marine World, Africa, USA, RIP. Um, anybody who worked there was a part of it. Uh, you are appreciated. And uh, I, I really appreciate you. I think you do such a great job. Uh, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, outside of the page, outside of our jobs, when we're just talking about our jobs, I get an earnestness and a sincerity with you about the way you cover your beat and you think about children in the Bay Area. And I think you've really been good for your community. And um, I'm embarrassing you, but, you know, that's one reason I wanted to have you come on, oh, along thanks. with your awesome 
<laughs> Spider Monkey Island story. Well, I feel like I've made it now that I've been on the big event. All right. Thank you very much, Jill Tucker, The Big Event, Marine World Africa, USA. Thank you for listening. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Jill Tucker. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.